If you would take your Bibles, uh, we are going to have uh, much more worship uh, later on, but uh, we want to save that as a response to uh, closing off this series, and so I'm going to jump right into our final message on our summer series concerning the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bibles ready and uh, your study sheets, if that helps you. <clears throat> Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for being a good God. Father, there are so many things that we are certain about. That you are God. That you are sovereign. That you are loving. That you are holy that you are good, and so many other truths. Thank you that we can freely worship you for all of those truths. Now, Lord, we ask you to guide us uh, as we bring all together the things you've taught us about your Spirit this summer. And, Father, I pray that whatever the response needs to be for each of us from what we've learned that you would use these thoughts to bring us to that response. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have uh, spent all summer learning about the Holy Spirit, and there's a lot to learn. The title of the series has been The Holy Spirit Sent to Glorify Jesus. This will be the 10th Sunday message concerning the Holy Spirit. We had 11 Wednesdays where those of you who came had a chance to study more about the Holy Spirit and interact about what you were learning. If you do your math, that means that if you were here those Sundays and those Wednesdays, you had 21 opportunities to learn about the Holy Spirit which means we possibly have learned quite a bit about him. And it's been good. Today, as we come to uh, the final message, the final time thinking about the Holy Spirit, much of this will be a review, but also I really want to emphasize the importance of uh, response. On your uh, study sheet, which is basically uh, the title of today's message, you have an equation. And I think it's a very logical equation. And as you see it there, it says presence plus power equals potential. I want you to just look at that and think about that. If you have to spend the next moment saying it over to yourself for a while, presence plus power equals potential. And as we'll see today, 
when you look at that equation in connection with the Holy Spirit and all that we've learned about him, it is a logical equation. Presence plus power equals potential. So let's talk about each of those words in the equation. The first one is presence, and this will be just review from what we've already talked about and learned. And let's just use one uh, place in Scripture to review that, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 19, the Apostle Paul speaking to the Christians at the Corinthian church. And he says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? He says to the Christians, your body is Where the Holy Spirit lives, it is his temple, his dwelling place. He is in you. You have received him from God. His presence is in you. In uh, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, in verse 13, Another verse that we saw that emphasizes this first word in the equation. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all, again speaking to the Christians at Corinth, we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so we're talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit in all Believers, it's a divine presence. We've learned that the Holy Spirit is God. He is one person of the Godhead. So we can say that because the Holy Spirit lives in us as believers, God lives in us. He lives in us. His presence is there by the Holy Spirit. It's a divine presence. Take a couple moments to wrap your mind around that. If you are a follower of Christ, you have the divine presence, God's Holy Spirit living in you. I'm not asking you to understand it. I'm not asking you to even feel it right now. I just want you to try and wrap your mind a little bit around that. You have the divine presence, the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit living in you. It's a permanent presence. Once he's living in you, he's not going anywhere. He's not leaving. He's not going to desert you. A reminder of that is what we saw in John 14, where Jesus was promising to send his spirit. John chapter 14. And he said to his disciples in verse 16, 
I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, permanent. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. He will be in you forever. It's a permanent presence. Okay. So we have a divine presence, the Holy Spirit living in us. It is a permanent presence. He will not leave us or forsake us. It's not going anywhere. It's permanent. And that presence began at birth. And notice we've got a parenthesis there. We're referring to spiritual birth. This divine presence, the Holy Spirit living in us, has been true since we trusted Jesus for salvation. Repented. And received Jesus into our lives as Lord and Savior. Since that moment, we have had the divine presence, the Holy Spirit. A permanent presence in us, living in us. We see that in Ephesians 1. Something we looked at a few times this summer. But just to review, Ephesians 1. Verse 13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You received the gospel, and having believed, you were marked in him by the Holy Spirit. This divine presence began at birth, at your spiritual birth, when you trusted Christ for salvation, the Spirit of God came to live in you. It's a divine presence. It's a permanent presence. And it has been true since the day you trusted Christ for salvation. So that's the first word in this equation. Presence. The presence of the Holy Spirit in the lives of each one of us who is a follower of Christ. The second word in the equation is power. Presence plus power. You'll recall in Acts chapter 1, again a review from this summer, in Acts chapter 1 prior to Jesus going back to heaven, he said this to his disciples. He said in verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The presence of the Holy Spirit means there's power. Because remember, the Holy Spirit is God. God the Spirit. God is omnipotent, right? All-powerful. And so when he comes into us to live in the person of the Holy Spirit, that power comes to live within us. Jesus said, when the Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power. And so it's his presence plus power. The the word there is dunamis uh, in the Greek, and uh, we get dynamite and dynamic and dynamo from that word. It simply means power. It means might. It means strength. It means ability, energy, 
power. And the Holy Spirit has that power. And so when he came to live in us, along with him comes that power. So that power is living in you if you were a follower of Christ. Take a couple moments to wrap that around your mind and, and think about that. Not only is the Holy Spirit living in you, but the power that he brings, because he is God the Spirit, is living in you. That's pretty amazing to think about. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul talks about that power that's in us. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 18. uh, He talks about how he prays when he prays for the Christians in Ephesus. And in Ephesians 1.18, he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and that you might know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. He's talking about resurrection power. And he says, I pray that you Christians would understand that that power is present for us. Now, notice, he isn't saying you have that power, but that power is present for you. It's there. In chapter 3, he talks about continual prayer that he prays for these people. And in verse 16, Ephesians 3.16, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Again, his prayer is that these Christians would be strengthened where? In their inner being with power through the Holy Spirit. He's there. He's present. He has the power. He is God. That power is present. Paul says, I pray that you will realize that power is there for you and it is in you through the Holy Spirit who is living in you. That power. And then at the end of chapter 3, he mentions it mentions it again in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Again, again, the power that is at work in us. And so the first two words in the equation, presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit in us as believers. The second word, power, when the Spirit comes to live in us, His power comes along. And so that power is living in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. The third word in the equation is potential. Presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, plus power, the power he has, the power he brings that is for us, that is working in us. 
equals potential. And Paul, right here in Ephesians 3.20, I think talks about that potential. When you put the presence of the Holy Spirit together with the power he has, here's the potential. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. There's potential, right? Able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. God is able to do great things beyond what we could even imagine. According to his power that's at work in us. That's the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And God is able to do immeasurably beyond what we're able to ask or imagine as he works in us by the Holy Spirit. That's the potential. So, what is the potential? What is the potential for me? What is the potential for you if you are a follower of Christ? Thus, have the presence of the Holy Spirit living in you with that power that the Spirit possesses living in you. What is the potential when you put those two things together? Well, when you, when you talk about that potential, first of all, you probably talk about the potential that we would like it to mean. Okay? And we could dream, right? The potential that, that we think it would mean. The things that are beyond what we could ask or think. And we have our idea of what that might be, that potential. And usually our idea of that potential is that it's really something big. And it's exciting. And it's glamorous. Perhaps miraculous. Earth-shattering. You see, when we think of the potential of the presence of the Spirit and His power in our lives, and Paul says, because of that, um, God is able to do far beyond what you could ask or imagine. That's what we want it to mean, right? And maybe that's what it is. You know? Maybe for some of us, that's what the potential is. But can I share what it might mean? What this potential might be? I had to write it down because it's a lot. And it's not exhaustive. This is what the potential could be when you put the presence of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit together in the life of a believer. The potential to use you in preserving the unity of the Spirit rather than hindering it. You notice what the next subject is after that verse about potential? Chapter 4, verse 1, it's about preserving the unity of the Spirit. Maybe that's the potential 
The Spirit of God wants to use you to help preserve the unity of the Spirit rather than hinder it. That would be a powerful thing. Maybe the potential for you is relationships. As you go on in chapter 4, guess what a main subject is? Relationships. Maybe the potential of 320 is the Spirit of God working in your relationships. Because in chapter 4, he talks about forgiveness and getting rid of bitterness. He talks about anger, not sinning in our anger. He talks about our speech to one another. He talks about kindness. He talks about those kinds of relational things. Right after talking about the potential of the Spirit working in us by His power. Could that be the potential? Something happening in your relationships. That would take power, wouldn't it? That you don't have. But the power of the Spirit is in you. He's present. Chapter 5 talks about sexual purity. Maybe that's the potential. Getting victory over sexual temptation. That would take power, wouldn't it? What a potential. Maybe it has to do with your marriage and family. Chapter 5 of Ephesians talks about marriage, talks about family. Could you use some Holy Spirit power in your family right now? In your marriage? To take your marriage as it is now to where God would want it to be? Would that take some Holy Spirit power? Maybe that's the potential. That's beyond what you could ask or imagine. Maybe it's victory in the spiritual warfare because chapter 6 talks about spiritual warfare, right? And standing against Satan's attacks. Maybe the potential, the presence of the Spirit plus the power of the Spirit equals the potential of seeing victory as I stand against the attacks of Satan. Maybe the potential has to do with my witness, Acts 1.8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. Maybe the potential is the impact you could have at work with unbelievers. The potential you could have in your community and being a witness to your neighbors and friends. Maybe that's the potential because of the presence and the power of the Spirit in your life. Maybe it's just victory over the flesh, that battle, Galatians 5, we talked about. The potential of the Spirit being present in His power helping you in that battle against the flesh. Maybe it has to do, like Romans 8 says, with suffering and grief and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit having the potential to help you walk through that grief, to help you walk through that time of suffering. That takes power, doesn't it? Maybe that's the potential. Maybe it's the potential of conviction and repentance. We talked about that in Sunday school today. David's prayer of confession and repentance, conviction of sin. It takes power to get to that place, to have a broken spirit and to deal with your sin. The presence of the Holy Spirit and His power 
can bring that about. That's the potential. What about using our gifts to build up the body? We talked about that. The Spirit gives us gifts to minister to the body, to help the body be built up. For you to be involved in using your gifts to minister to the body, would that take some power? Maybe that's the potential for you of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe it's to become a worshiper again. Maybe for some reason you just wouldn't say, I'm a worshiper right now. My desire to lift up Jesus and worship him, it's just not there like it used to be. What's going to bring it back? It's going to take some power, isn't it? Well, you have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe that's the potential. Maybe it's moving you from pride to humility. That's going to take some power, right? You have the presence. You have the power in the Spirit's presence. Maybe that's the potential for you to move from pride to humility. And you're probably getting tired of this. I could go on and on. Your hunger for the Word of God, it's gone. It's not there. It's going to take some power to bring it back. Guess what? You have the presence of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. Maybe that's the potential to bring back the hunger and the desire for the Word of God. And we could go on and on. Do you get my point? Paul says that because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in us, there is potential, great potential, far beyond what you could ask or imagine. But you see, we think that means these big, exciting, glamorous, miraculous things. But maybe that great potential is what I just took us through and more like it. Because those things need the power of the Spirit. So, how can those kinds of things and that potential become reality? Let me just quickly suggest three things. How... This equation, presence, the presence of the Spirit living in us, plus power, the power He brings, His power in us, can equal potential. How can that potential become reality in our lives? Three things, very quickly. We need to give up the status quo of powerlessness. Let me be very frank. There are Christians who have decided to just be okay with the status quo of powerlessness in their Christian lives. And there are Christians who can't remember the last time they experienced the power of the Holy Spirit working in them and through them. If they were honest, they can't remember the last time. Because they have become okay with a Christian life That is basically powerless. They have the presence of the Holy Spirit, which means they have all that power living in them. But they have become content with that kind of Christian life. And can't even remember the last time They had to really depend on the Holy Spirit and saw Him come through in power. They become okay with the status quo of powerlessness. 
to see the great potential of the presence and power of the Spirit in our lives, we've got to give up that status quo and being okay with it. The second thing, <clears throat> to see this potential, we need to give up the illusion of control. It's an illusion that we think we can control our lives and that we can live the Christian life on our own. It's an illusion. And if we're going to see the potential of the presence and power of the Spirit in us, we've got to give up that illusion. A guy named Randy Frazee, in a, in a book he wrote, says this, Trying to be God is no cakewalk. Isn't that just a simple statement that we all know is true? Trying to be God is no cakewalk. It's difficult. It wears you out. And yet many of us as Christians, uh, we try to live our Christian life by self-power. We just live it on our own, our own power that we try to create. It's hard. We need to give up that illusion of control and move from self-power, doing it on our own, to spirit power. You never outgrow the dependence on the Holy Spirit. You will never get to a place in your Christian life where you have outgrown the need to depend on the Holy Spirit and His power in your life. You can't do it on your own. And so we need to give that up. So give up being okay with the status quo of powerlessness. Give up the illusion of control. Move from self-power to spirit power. And third, give yourself over to the control and leading of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that this summer. Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. Daily, give yourself over to the control of the Spirit. Galatians 5, be willing to follow, to be in step with, to be led by the Holy Spirit. Let Him work in your life. Let Him put that power to work in your life. And that's when we see this potential, these things beginning to happen in our lives. <clears throat> Many of you uh, have heard multiple times and remember a story that a lot of pastors and evangelists tell about this uh, famous tightrope walker, Charles Blondin. You've heard the illustration about how he would walk across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Heard the story, right? It was in the 1800s. Charles Blondin, in front of a multitude of people at Niagara Falls, put a three and a quarter inch diameter cord cable across about 1,100 feet. Niagara Falls, and he walked across. Don't catch me even thinking about that, but he walked across to the applause of the people, walked back. 
And as the story goes that you've heard, he eventually asked the cheering crowd if, if they believed that he could push a wheelbarrow across and back. And they applauded. They said, yes, we believe. We've seen what you can do. And then remember how the story ends? He asked the crowd who would like to get in the wheelbarrow. And there was silence. <clears throat> and then the pastor or the evangelist applies that. Okay? You want to know the rest of the story? Because that's not the end of the story. Here's the rest of the story. After some moments of silence, there was a volunteer. This is a true story. There was a volunteer. His name was Harry Colcord. He volunteered. But instead of climbing into the wheelbarrow, Harry Colcord jumped on Blondin's back. And before Blondin started off to walk the tightrope across Niagara Falls, he gave Harry Colcord some instructions. Probably a good idea. Gave him some instructions. This is what he said. He said, Harry, I want you to look up the whole time. And remember, you are no longer Henry Colcard. You are Charles Blondin. Until I clear this place, you need to be a part of me. Your mind, your body, your soul. Give yourself over to me. Trust me totally. If I sway, you sway with me. If I sway to the left, you sway to the left. If I sway to the right, you sway to the right. Do not attempt to do any balancing on your own. <clears throat> and Colcord followed the instructions to a T. And he rode on the back of Charles Blondin across the 1,100 feet across Niagara Falls and back again. <clears throat> Friends, we will not experience the potential that is present because the Spirit of God lives in us and because of that, the power of God lives in us in the person of the Spirit. We will never experience the potential of that if we try to live on our own and we don't let that spirit control us and we don't follow that spirit's leading and we don't stay in step with that spirit and we don't live in obedience to that spirit. It's then when we totally give ourselves over and when the spirit sways, we sway. When the spirit goes to the left, we go to the left. When the spirit goes to the right, we go to the right. We don't do anything on our own. By our power. It's by the power of the Spirit. That's when the potential takes place. That's when He works. That's when that power begins to bring things about like things on that list I took you through. So it's a logical equation. It makes sense based on what we've learned. Presence. 
the presence of the Holy Spirit living in us as Christians, plus the power of the Spirit that is there that he brings because he has all power. You put his presence and his power together and there is great potential in the life of every Christian. But we won't see that potential unless we're willing to give up being okay with the status quo of a powerless Christian life. Until we're willing to give up this illusion of control that I can do it all by myself. Until we give over ourselves to the control of the Spirit every day and follow Him and obey Him and keep in step with Him. Then we begin to see Him work in and through us. And we see things happening that are beyond what we could ask or imagine. And maybe they aren't the glamorous, miraculous, exciting, big, large things. But I tell you what, all those things that I listed, to me, are pretty large. And they are pretty important. And they call for power I don't have and you don't have. Follow him. Let him work. The potential is great because of the presence and power of the Spirit in your life as a Christian. Here are my last words of this series. After ten Sundays, eleven Wednesdays, learning about the Holy Spirit, it would be a travesty if we go on and there is no change at all. It would be a travesty to spend all this time and learn all we have learned about the Holy Spirit, to just go on and see nothing different in our Christian lives. That would be a travesty. But I can't do anything about that. I can only deal with my response to what I've learned about the Holy Spirit. But it would be a travesty, and Jesus would not get glory if we can spend this amount of time learning about the Spirit and go on nothing being different. And so our worship team is going to come up, and we're going to have a set of worship They're going to sing for us. They're going to invite us to sing. And I want you to use this time of worship to think about how you will respond to what you've learned this summer about the Holy Spirit. And if it means you not singing but doing business with God, do that. If it means you, in order to really cement whatever your response is going to be to God and His Spirit in your life. And the way to cement it is to come up here and stand and worship with us. Do it. If you need to kneel by your chair or if you need to kneel up here, I don't know. This is a time to respond to 21 opportunities to learn about the Holy Spirit. And it would be a travesty 
if we don't respond in some way. And there is no difference. So let's pray, and then we'll worship. Our Father, we thank you. Lord, it's been so good to learn about your spirit this summer. Thank you for all the truth in your word about him. Uh, And Father, just to be reminded that you sent him into our lives to bring glory to Jesus. Father, I pray that whatever responses we make to, to what we've learned, I pray that every one of them, whatever they might be, would end up bringing glory to Jesus. Because that's your spirit's purpose. And we want his purpose to be fulfilled in our lives. May we see the potential because of our response to the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Thank you for him. In Jesus' name, amen.